Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking to Ellie Kaplan, who is the founder of NeuroTrack. And before we get into this really interesting topic, Bridget and I just have to take a moment to thank every person who attended the event this past week, either in person or online. The room was magical. It is really the only way to describe it. The energy you could just, it was palpable. You could I, feel I'm still the energy down from this high. I still am coming down <laughs> from this high. I really am. And I'm thinking about it. Like I felt like when, you know, I really, it's like this energy was just going through me and it was so exciting to be with these other women and talking it really about was. what we all wanted to discuss. We felt like we wanted it to be conversations and community and connection. And it was all three of those things and so much more. You know, the feedback we have been getting is anything from I'm blown away by the day to I've never seen anything like this is the best event I've ever been to. I felt seen and heard. It was such a blast. You know, we had a spa room. People had a great time in there. We had shopping. Of course, everyone shopped. And I have to say, just like we told you from the very beginning, people were insanely overwhelmed with the gift bags. Like they could not believe how much stuff was in this gift bag. We had one woman who actually took it apart, priced everything, and it was over $300. We were so grateful to not only the brands that were included in the gift bag, but to our sponsors, to our supporters, to our promoters, to the panelists. We just picked, if we do say so ourselves, we just picked on-point panelists, honestly. It was great. We were excited. Um, You know, obviously, Melissa and Mindy were there to just be icing on the cake. We had so much fun with them. And now we're ready to hit it in spring in New York City. So we will be keeping you posted on how that goes. We hope you'll be able to attend. But we will have the video from this event up in the next week or two on conversationswithprimewomen.com. So if you do want to find out how it went, you can just wait a little bit. We'll give you a heads up when they're ready. You know, it takes a while to put these things together, the pictures and all that stuff. And make sure to follow us on Instagram, Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, where you'll start to see the the videos and pictures come up first. And then you can go over to the website. So with that, let's talk about Ellie Kaplan. She is the founder of NeuroTrack. And what is NeuroTrack? NeuroTrack is a rapid digital cognitive screening for annual wellness visits. So what does that mean? That means the 15 minutes you get with your doctor, before that time, you're going to be handed an iPad and it's going to ask you a series of questions that should last about two minutes. They'll spend a minute going over it so that you really understand what they're evaluating, you'll do the two minutes. And in those two minutes, they will be able to tell your primary care physician if you are do Alzheimer's or dementia, or you have some cognitive decline, which we all do as we get older, or if you're right on track and you're good. So this is something that can be performed at your annual visit. It is non-invasive. And we were just so excited that there was something out there that you could test for Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. And Bridget and I just kind of, I almost felt bad. We were just throwing questions at her left and right. Yeah, she knew what we were throwing. And she, this, you'll find out in the conversation that this is something that really uh, 
Ellie is concerned with personally. You'll find out one grandparent on each side of her family uh, had Alzheimer's disease. So we're going to get started talking to Ellie about how NeuroTrack came to be, what it can offer patients, and why it's so important in the world of Alzheimer's now to have something that can be tested for patients in a doctor's office annually so that we can keep track because the drugs that are coming out now are really helping very early diagnosis. Once you're deep into the diagnosis, they haven't really come up with anything that's going to slow it down. But if you can be diagnosed at an earlier stage, there are medications, one just got FDA approved, that can help slow the progress. So with that, we're going to let Ellie talk and we'll talk to you after. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today, we are talking to Ellie Kaplan, who is the founder of NeuroTrack. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for being here. You know, this is this hits us personally because my mother-in-law has Alzheimer's and Bridget's father-in-law has Alzheimer's. And it seems like it's becoming more prevalent, maybe just because it's hitting us personally. But why don't we start with what is the state of research right now that is changing in the world of Alzheimer's disease? It's a really important question because there is just a tremendous amount of new activity in in the Alzheimer's space, and uh, it's a it's an exciting time. It's a time of I think finally uh, real hope. So um, you know there have been some big changes in the market, so to speak, that's driving some of this change. Uh, First and foremost, there was a drug called Lakembi, which is, was developed by ASI in partnership with Biogen, that is the first uh, what they call disease-modifying drug uh, to get full approval by the FDA and will be covered, the majority of costs will be covered by Medicare. So the simple fact that we have one drug on the market is transformative from the perspective of the fact that what it says to other biotech and large pharmaceutical companies is there's a there's a market here. And uh, what we're seeing is that other big pharma companies are now starting to shift resources into neuro programs in order to try to get access to that. Uh, Eli Lilly has a drug uh, that uh, will also likely get approval before the end of the year. So two new drugs on on the market that um, that, you know, are good starter drugs. Uh, and I would say the other thing that has happened is that Medicare put in place for people over the age of 65 new regulations that say that everyone must get a cognitive test as part of their annual physical. And so primary care doctors are now being told that they need to start testing people at scale. So everyone in their population who they see over the age of 65 must now get a, a cognitive test. And they've put in place new reimbursement codes to really incentivize them to do that. So there's momentum in the market. Behind those two drugs that I mentioned, there's a pipeline of about 150 other drugs that are very promising. So for the first time, you know, I think uh, we have a lot to be hopeful about. And, and, and that's important because, as you mentioned, prevalence is um, astronomical. Right. With the uh, prescriptions that are, are approved right now and some that are in the pipeline right now, I know, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that... 
they are good for the beginning stages. Is that correct? And later stages, maybe it's it won't work for that. Is that right? That's right. So um, as you both likely know from your personal experience, um, Alzheimer's disease has a trajectory. It is uh, a disease that starts with what they call subjective memory complaint with worry, where you're just you know, noticing that you are forgetting more and more things and, and you gradually decline until you get to a place where you can't remember anything at all, uh, including, you know, your body, the brain stops functioning because it can no longer pump blood through your veins and, and allow you to breathe. Um, the drugs that have been approved are indicated for people with mild cognitive impairment. That's when they work the best. Therefore, all the more reason to be testing people earlier so that, you know, anyone who is in that earlier phase can get access to them. Once you have full frank Alzheimer's disease, there really aren't any options, unfortunately. The hope is that we start to catch it much earlier to keep people from progressing to that stage. And that's why I think it's so important that we talk about NeuroTrack, which you are the founder of, because it's a screening that's like three minutes, can be done at your annual appointment with your doctors. Can you talk about how NeuroTrack came to be and what it does? Like both of you, I um, had two grandparents, my grandfather first, who started to show signs of Alzheimer's disease. And uh, when we went through the process of trying to better understand what was going on with him, get a potential diagnosis, uh, it was just really challenging. Um, you know, we couldn't get in to see a neurologist. And keep in mind, I come out of a family of healthcare workers. So, you know, my dad is a doctor. He was, my grandfather was a doctor. You know, family filled with people with good access to uh, to physicians. And nonetheless, it was really challenging to, to get a diagnosis. Once we finally did, you know, there were no drugs. And, uh, and then about five years later, my grandmother on the other side of my family started to show similar signs. And I remember thinking at the time, well, this is awful, but things must be better now. And we went through the exact same experience. And it just struck me kind of, um, I had, I was a relatively recent MBA graduate. And so I sort of, you know, was thinking about like, wow, there are a lot of people who are getting older and wow, this is a disease that, you know, affects a lot of people and we're doing a really bad job of uh, identifying who's at risk and developing drugs. There must be an opportunity there to, to build a business and also do some good at the same time. And so that was when I really sort of went down this rabbit hole of trying to understand um, what the market looked like and what the tools were that were available. And I met my two co-founders who uh, developed technology that um, was digital and had just been validated through a six-year longitudinal study where using this tool, they, um, they could identify who would go on to convert along that trajectory towards Alzheimer's disease. Um, fast forward to today, uh, after founding the company and, and raising capital, we've now built out a whole suite of products. So we have our three-minute screening test, which you mentioned, which is a really uh, powerful tool from an accuracy perspective at identifying people who are healthy versus having mild cognitive impairment, which is kind of that middle early phase of the disease and Alzheimer's disease. And so because it's short, 
um, it makes it possible for it to live in the primary care setting. And, um, you know, we all know, and, and this was, uh, became even more apparent during COVID, the burden that um, sits that, you know, primary care doctors are under to do so many things during that one little visit. And um, the time that a doctor has with a patient is seems to get shorter and shorter, you know, by the day. Uh, so most primary care docs or many get only 20 minutes. And so if you start to think about how am I going to test a patient uh, for something like cognitive decline or Alzheimer's disease in that 20 minute period, when the old tools that have existed take the entire time of the exam, it's just a non-starter. So this test was really designed uh, to work in the primary care setting so that anybody who's worried about their cognitive health, whether it's because they're getting older or because they have a family history, can get tested and get access to real information about it. So if I were to go and say I wanted this test done, what would my visit typically look like if, except for, you know, the normal checking everything else, yep. but what would happen if I were to get this test? Yep. It's a great question. Um, so when you sell into healthcare, you have to work within their constraints, like with anything, right? And so um, we have designed it to make it as easy as possible for the doctor's office to start to use it, to in, in, integrate it into their system. So, Bridget, you would go to the, the doctor, you'd walk in, they'd bring you back to the room, they call that the rooming period, when the medical assistant is capturing all of your vitals. So, you know, your weight, your height, your blood pressure. At the very end of taking all of that information, uh, they would then hand you an iPad that is loaded with our screening test. You would take the test. Um, there's a brief period of, at the very beginning where we give you instructions, and then we actually give you a practice uh, period because we really want to make sure that everybody understands exactly how the test works and what they're being asked to do. And then the testing starts. And uh, the testing period is actually just two minutes. So we allow a little time for the instructions and everything else. You take the test. Uh, your results will automatically get uploaded into the uh, electronic medical records system uh, and such that when the doctor then comes in, they have all of the information that they need to uh, to tell you what will come next. For you, Bridget, they'll say you've passed with flying colors, <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. You'll <laughs> um, come back in a year and uh, take the test again. Um, but if that's not the case for someone and they get flagged by our test, then they would go on to do additional testing. Uh, and if uh, from that testing, it looks like there's, you know, something going on uh, with their cognitive health. Um, they would then get referred on to neurology. We have also developed, um, so we have developed the, the deeper dive into uh, uh, the more comprehensive testing. Uh, and then we've also developed a, um, what we call a, our, our digital, uh, our cognitive and behavioral health program, which is a, a digital program that has taken all of the best in class science around what one can do from a lifestyle perspective in order to, you know, to stabilize their cognitive health. And what we have learned is that there is a tremendous um, amount of uh, things that people can do in order to do that. It's, it focuses largely on what you eat, 
Uh, so a, a Mediterranean based diet or something called the mind diet, how often you exercise, staying socially and cognitively engaged, getting a lot of sleep, all of those things we give to the patient in order to help them manage their cognitive health. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. I have so many questions about this because honestly, if someone said to me, let's take a cognitive test, first thing I think of is my brain fog from menopause and hormonal changes is going to make me fail. And I don't know if it's going to be the brain fog or cognitive decline. So how does the test accurately distinguish between natural aging and and a cognitive decline? It's one that women who are perimenopausal or menopausal uh, ask me all the time because brain fog is a real thing. Uh, And we are um, going to start working with a a very interesting uh, menopause-focused company that um, is helping women sort of distinguish between what is brain fog and what could be early onset Alzheimer's disease. Uh, You know, we've spent the last 10 years developing our science in order to be able to differentiate between uh, something like brain fog and true cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease. And it, you know, it, it speaks to the way the test has been developed and the validation that we have done uh, in order to show that we can do that. And we now have um, 26 peer-reviewed publications where FDA class two medical device registered. We've got a you know deep patent portfolio and lots of real world evidence that shows how we do that. And it, it speaks to the way um, the brain function, excuse me, the way the brain functions in terms of the things that we're measuring. So what what we measure is not for Alzheimer's disease, uh, actually. We measure cognitive domains. So um, the things that are different, the functions that, that um, make up these cognitive domains are things like attention and executive function and brain processing speed and, um, and then memory. And so because we're measuring uh, the um, function of those cognitive domains, we're able to discern between something like brain fog and something like uh, Alzheimer's disease. Okay, yeah. So like Colleen, when you and I can't remember the name of something and then two hours later, it just pops in our head while we're eating lunch. That's (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, because that is a real worry. And I know a lot of women, like you said, at this stage in their life think, something is going on with me. We hear that. We've heard that so many oh, so times. So many times. It's yeah. early onset. It's early onset because we right. just can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, early onset is relatively rare. So, you know, for your listeners who may be um, experiencing brain fog uh, related to menopause or perimenopause, it's pretty rare that it's Alzheimer's disease. And we know that brain fog is something that goes with uh, with menopause. And very often for women who are good candidates for uh, hormone replacement uh, therapy, when you go on to HRT, the brain fog will disappear. Um, and, you know, that said, uh, menopause, there is a correlation between menopause and Alzheimer's disease longer term, not early onset, but in in later in life. And the reason for that is that estrogen is protective of the brain. And so when you go through menopause, 
and your brain is then starved of that protective estrogen, uh, it becomes a risk factor for, for cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease later on. That's not to be confused with brain fog that you may be experiencing in the moment. So uh, HRT um, can be extremely helpful as a uh, risk you know, to, in order to um, manage your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And um, I like to talk about the fact that I use it for that very reason, um, <laughs> because I have a family history of Alzheimer's and I'm terrified that, obviously I'm terrified that I will one day get it, but also uh, that it could be caused by, um, you know, by menopause or the reduction of estrogen in my brain. And that is such an easy thing to fix now that there's no reason not to, you know, provided that um, from an other health perspective, you're a good candidate for it. What about telehealth? Is there, how are you all involved in the telehealth world? Um, so, you know, we are, uh, we're a great partner for telehealth companies because our test is digital. Um, so as an example, you know, if, if you are either, you know, there are a number of companies, um, that are popping up now that are doing teleneurology, um, in order to help manage the scarcity of neurologists that exist and the need for dementia care and, um, and that sort of thing. So we work well in that. Format, but we also work well in, in a primary care setting where, you know, we're starting to see that more, um, annual wellness visits, oddly so, your annual physical could be conducted by telehealth. Then we can just simply, uh, send the test ahead to the patient, uh, to take. So you use eye tracking for the test. Can you explain? Because I, I would immediately think, oh, you're going to give me questions that repeat these numbers or something like that. But you actually use eye tracking device. Can you talk about that? Well, we use eye tracking to, uh, as part of the, the comprehensive batter. We don't use it in the screening um, because the tests that we have developed for screening, um, it, you know, test different things than, than what the eye tracking test tests. Uh, but in the comprehensive battery, we, uh, we do use a test that, uh, employs eye tracking. Um, and that is based on the original IP, uh, or test that, that, uh, my co-founders developed. Um, it is a test that, uh, measures what you look at, um, how often you look at different images that get displayed while, uh, while the test is being administered. Um, in order to really get at some of the very deep neurobiology that um, in the part of the brain that houses memory. So the hippocampus is where all of our memory is stored. And the eye tracking test um, uses something called uh, visual-based comparison uh, in order to measure the the function of the hippocampus. And so that's what's going on in, in that. You also talk about the fact that the test is culturally agnostic symbols and it's not dependent on your age. Can you, how did you get that way? Like how can you get a <laughs> test? People are so different. You know, how do you get it so that everyone recognizes the symbols or the different questions? Yeah. Um, so that is one of the most important uh, components of our of our screening test, but also our other tests. Just being generally speaking, being culturally agnostic, being education agnostic, being what they call language agnostic, uh, because you know, first and foremost, um, Alzheimer's disease is a disease that disproportionately impacts women, 
but also Black Americans, Hispanic Americans, uh, and people of lower education levels and socioeconomic um, classes, so to speak, or levels. Uh, and um, there's a lot of science that goes into why that is. But if you think about the fact that the majority of the people who um, who are affected by this disease historically have not been able to, one, get access to testing, which is a huge problem in and of itself. But two, when they do get access to testing, the tests have not been designed in order to accurately collect information on them because of their cultural, racial background or education level or ethnicity. And so when we set out to design particular screening tests, it was really important to us to have a test that uh, could accurately capture uh, the cognitive, the true cognitive health of anyone taking the test. Um, it was, you know, good for business, but it's also really important from a values and uh, access perspective, which is core to our, our values as a company. Uh, and so the way that we do that is by not employing sophisticated language or even unsophisticated language. Uh, it's by using, as you said, symbols that anyone anywhere can recognize. So things like a star or a heart or a fish or um, a, a cross uh, are, you know, um, at, are tied to uh, different numbers. So, you know, most people know uh, the numeric system, uh, regardless of uh, culture, ethnicity, education level, and, and people can recognize symbols. And so, you know, even if you have a third grade education, you can take our test and perform as well as somebody with a college education, provided all other things are equal. And we have worked really hard to make that possible. Now, as a former teacher, that is such an important thing. And just when you said you even give one minute for someone to practice the test, that is so important. When I was teaching, you you want to, it's not like you were trying to teach the test, just how to take the test is so important. important. And, and also, you know, that part of it actually um, can last as long as the patient needs. They're, it's not um, stopped at a minute. So, you know, we call it a three-minute test, but if somebody needs longer to go through the instructions in the practice period, you know, they can take much longer. Um, it's just at steady state, that's about what it is. Right. And the test is so relatively new. How has the response been from the doctors that you have reached out to? Great. And the reason why, first and foremost, is because it fits in their clinical workflows. And, um, you know, that's sort of uh, healthcare jargon um, a bit, although most people get that. Uh, but the most important thing um, when any particularly primary care provider is contemplating using something new, it has to work in their system. And healthcare, you know, uh, feels chaotic to all of us and um, feels like a mess, particularly in the U.S., but it is kind of a very well-oiled machine when it comes to what happens once a patient cut is brought back to the room and, and the, the processes that they use. And so if you don't have a tool that fits within that process, it is just off the start, you know, off the bat, it's a non-starter. And so the fact that it's short, uh, that it integrates with their electronic medical record system, uh, it's very easy to train um, a medical assistant on how to 
you know, what to look for and how to talk to the patient about the test and then very easy for the patient to take, you know, that's the first, that's kind of the first big hurdle that anyone would face. And we do very, very well with that. And then when, when doctors um, uh, understand uh, how accurate it is and the fact that it really empowers them to have a very hard conversation with a patient uh, and give them insightful information that they can trust, uh, you know, it's a, it's an starter. And then, you know, all uh, many healthcare providers and health systems are struggling from a financial perspective. So when they see that they can also actually make a bit of money on it, um, you know, it usually, uh, that usually helps too. How widespread um, are across the country um, can, can people access this test? You know, we are making uh, very rapid gains in this area. It's early days, uh, just for Alzheimer's generally, going to that first question that you asked. You know, we just got our first drug. Uh, we uh, Medicare just put in place these new regulations around testing. So we're going as fast as we can. It's, you know, I mean, we still have a bunch of work to do, but you can find us in, a num- in many states. And uh, if you can't and you want it, Call us and tell us who their doctor, your doctor is, and we'll go make it happen. So, um, you know, we'd love to, we want to be everywhere and anywhere that anyone needs a cognitive test. What about those people who, like you just said, can't get it from a doctor? Is there any way that they can take the test online or it has to be facilitated through a physician? It doesn't have to be facilitated through a physician. We like for it to be facilitated through a physician because sometimes, you know, there are really hard conversations that you have to have after you take the test. And um, that's better done with with somebody else. As a company, we have um, we've gone back and forth over the years about whether to sell it or make it available direct to consumer or not for that very reason. And, you know, for the fact that being a direct to consumer company in healthcare is uh is a, a tough road um you know pr- people don't love to pay for healthcare out of pocket and um you know it's expensive to to run a direct to consumer healthcare company uh that said you know as i mentioned access is core to who we are. Um, I started this company because we couldn't get testing for my grandparents and I don't want anyone to ever face that again. And so, you know, I always say that uh, if somebody really wants access to the test, they can email me. Um, my email is l-e-l-l-i at neurotrack.com and uh, we'll figure it out uh, because I think it's really important. And how has the response, I know we talked about Medicare before, and, you know, in, they, they have started cognitive testing for health. But what about those of us who aren't me, quite Medicare age? Will it be covered by insurance or is that something still in the works? No, it will be covered by insurance, but you have to ask for it. So you have to go to your doctor and say, I'm worried. Here's why I'm worried. Uh, I'm going through menopause and I'm experiencing this brain fog and I don't know what it is. And if you say you're worried, they should give you a test. And if it's deemed you know, necessary, medically necessary to rule something out, uh, then, um, it'll be covered, uh, through just your commercial fee for service insurance company. That is good to know. Just because if you, like you said, you know, you've had grandparents, if you have this family history, that that is something, just one 
thing maybe off your mind. And then if you do show signs, then you can start the process. That's exactly right. And like you were saying, women's health care, you know, women are more likely to get Alzheimer's than men, yet women's health care is not funded properly as it should be. So options like these are so important to be made aware of. And we appreciate the fact that you've created this company, that it's an option for a lot of us to take the time. You know, things should be proactive. You should be going to the doctor, not just for symptoms, but for proactive longevity and feeling healthy. So thank you so much for creating NeuroTrack. We will make sure in the show notes that the links to NeuroTrack and all the other information we talked about will be included. Thank you so much for joining us, Ellie, and we appreciate all the work you've done. Thank you so much for having me and getting the message out. It's really important for people to understand that they can take action when it comes to their brain health. They can get tested. They can start watching what they eat and how they exercise. There's a tremendous amount of hope right now. So uh, not no one should be despairing about this now. Well, thank you so much, Ellie, for sharing all this information about NeuroTrack with us. This is so important. Just like we said before, just to be able to be proactive, to use what we can learn if we have an issue, what steps can we take to prevent or slow the progress of something that is going to hurt our lifespan and our health span. And guys, you can check out more information at neurotrack.com or you can go on our website. We'll have hotflasheskooltopics.com. We'll have the show notes and all the information there. We hope you have an amazing week and we will talk to you next time. Bye.